This is Radio Romania International. You are listening to our one-hour broadcast in English for listeners in Western Europe and Africa. We can also be heard on the internet at www.ri.ro, Channel 1. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter and other social media platforms. Our programs are also available on TuneIn, Radio Romania International 1, and in Europe via satellite Utilsat 16A on 11,512 MHz, vertical polarization, azimuth 16 degrees east. We wish you good reception conditions. Hello and welcome to the newsreel with me, Lucramera Simeon. First, the top stories. Romania will promote the strengthening of the transatlantic relationship and the strategic partnership between NATO and the EU, says President Klaus Johannes, in the context of the 74-year anniversary of the establishment of NATO and NATO Day in Romania. Two European commissioners are coming to Romania to launch national programs financed through the EU cohesion policy. And Roman Catholic Christians are celebrating Palm Sunday. Romania will promote the strengthening of the transatlantic relationship and the strategic partnership between NATO and the EU, says President Klaus Johannes in the context of the 74-year anniversary of the establishment of the North Atlantic Alliance and NATO Day in Romania marked on April 2nd. We will remain involved in allied missions and commitments, and strengthening the national defense capacity will continue to be a priority for Romania, including by allocating, starting this year, 2.5% of the GDP for defense, said the Romanian president, according to a communique issued by the presidential administration. Europe is facing the worst security crisis since the Second World War, and in the face of these challenges, our country's membership to the Euro-Atlantic community of values is all the more relevant, the Romanian Foreign Minister Bogdan Aurescu also said. He recalled that in the 19 years since Romania became a member of NATO, The Romanian diplomacy has demonstrated its ability to fulfill its obligations based on this fundamental role. We are constantly and significantly contributing to the consolidation of Romania's position within NATO and of its reputation as a provider of security and stability. We are engaged in complying with our commitments to allies and partners, and equally we support the strengthening of our military capabilities in the transatlantic relationship and in the allied solidarity, said Bogdan Aurescu. Two European commissioners are coming to Romania early next week for the launch of national programs financed under the EU cohesion policy. The European Commissioner for Jobs and Social Rights, Nicolas Smith, and Commissioner for Cohesion and Reforms, Elisa Ferreira, will meet on Monday in Bucharest with Prime Minister Nicola Echuca, with the Minister of European Projects, Marcel Bolos, and with the Labour Minister, Marius Budai, after which they will go to Yash in the northeast and Vaslui in the east. The two European officials will also visit a centre for Ukrainian refugees. 
The Roman Catholic Christians are celebrating today Palm Sunday or Jesus Christ's triumphal entry into Jerusalem. This marks the entry into the Holy Week, the last until Easter. In the Roman Catholic Church, the day of Palm Sunday also marks Youth Day, when public processions with flowers and branches are organized in memory of the entry of Jesus Christ in Jerusalem almost 2,000 years ago. Such a procession is also organized in Bucharest. This year, the Catholics and Protestants celebrate Easter a week earlier than the Orthodox and Greek Catholics. Today, the Bulgarians elect their representatives in Parliament for the fifth time in two years. The massive anti-corruption protests of 2020 led to the fall of the Borisov government, and since then, no political party could obtain a parliamentary majority for the stability of the government. Opinion polls suggest that the GERB party of the former Prime Minister Boyko Borisov and the party of pro-Western reformers led by Kirill Petkov, who was also Prime Minister until last year when he was dismissed by a no-confidence motion, are competing in the elections. Also, voters in Finland go to the polls today to designate the new parliament makeup, with three party leaders having a chance to become prime minister. Opinion polls show that there will be a close race between the current prime minister, Sana Marin, representing the center-left Social Democrats, Petteri Orpo from the center-right National Coalition, and Rika Pura from the Finns far-right party. Hundreds of thousands of people protested on Sunday evening in Israel for the 13th consecutive week against the judicial reform promoted by the government. Protesters say it will limit the role of the Supreme Court. The largest demonstration took place in Tel Aviv, where, according to organizers, 175,000 Israelis protested. Clashes took place between protesters and counter-demonstrators, and 19 people were arrested. And that was the news from Bucharest Radio Romania International. Radio Romania International Broadcasting from Bucharest. Sunday Show. Hello, dear friends, this is Mihaela Ignatescu welcoming you to a fresh installment of Sunday Show, the program that brings you a brief selection of some of the most popular shows we have broadcast for you over the past week. Our regular history show focused on World War I, the Great War, one of the deadliest global conflicts in history that changed the fate of many countries, including Romania. Much has been written, and surely more will also be written about World War I, the Great War, as it had been dubbed at that time, and that because the deflagration was something the world had not seen up to that moment. It was a tremendous mobilization of resources and people made for the ideas of the age, for persuasions and for utopias. And that, because the most eccentric ideas, before they are materialized, are oddities people get enthused with 
when they deal with such ideas, at once being overcautious about them and rating them as forms of utopia. Everything that occurred in the aftermath of World War I in 1918 would have been considered before 1914, the year of the outbreak of the war, unachievable. In the Great Conflict, Romania took sides with the English-French-Russian Entente in 1916. The Romanian army in 1916 fought on World War I's longest front, stretching north of the Carpathian Ridge to south of the Danube and the shores of the Black Sea. The Romanian army eventually conceded defeat that year. Supported by the Russian army and the French military mission led by the General Berthelow, the Romanian army put up a successful resistance to the German and Austro-Hungarian armies who were advancing on the front line in 1917. In 1918, in the wake of the Entente emerging as winner, the old Romanian kingdom's unification was possible with the territories of the neighbouring empires with a predominantly Romanian-speaking population. For posterity, the year 1918 went down as a year of triumph, a year of celebration and the commemoration of all Romanians' sacrifice for greater Romania. Savouring the victory of 1918 left little, if any, room for commiserating with the defeated, who lost almost everything. Austro-Hungary was dismantled and reduced to the territories where the ethnic populations of the two successor states, Austria and Hungary, were predominant. However, the real winners are those who find the time and the willingness to consider their opponent's sufferance, to look through the eyes of the losers at how much they had to suffer for victory themselves. To that end, the volume edited by the Hungarian historians Nandor Bardi and Judith Paul, entitled Over the Trenches, How the Hungarians of Transylvania Experienced the Great War and the Trianon, is a collection of documents of the time. The historian Daniel Kain told us that for the Romanians, the beginning of the war that led to the final victory was a much too optimistic one, with very little doubt as regards the real situation. I shall make a reference, if I may, to an article that was a singular voice in the Old Kingdom press in late 1914 and early into 1915. It is an editorial published in a business magazine and also an attempted answer to those who are dead set on Romania's entering the war. Fine, we advance into Transylvania, we make greater Romania. What would our administrative model be for those living in Transylvania? Do we have the required administrative experience to replace, for instance, the elite of the Transylvanian towns? It was a one-of-a-kind article at that time, as there were extremely boisterous other articles targeting the necessity and the light-mindedness of a decision to be taken for the Romanian army to cross the Carpathians. The light-mindedness with which people cause real tragedies is typical for our minds and motivated by our good intentions. Human beings are self-delusional, believing, for instance, that a war ends up quickly without much effort. It was the mindset of that particular generation and as history has revealed, it was also the mindset of the generations to come. Historian Daniel Kain once again. In order to illustrate that light-mindedness with which people viewed the war in the summer of 1916, in Bucharest there were two major incidents that occurred 
prior to Romania's entering into the war. An explosion at the army's arsenal and another explosion at the ammunition storage in the Dudesh district. The following day, the press and mainly the Adevarul Daily said measures had to be taken because there were the spies who did it and 300 people were sacrificed. That was exactly the number of people who had to be sacrificed for the accomplishment of the national idea once the Carpathians had been crossed. So, in 1916, a great part of the public in the Old Kingdom was firmly convinced that Romania's entering into the war would be no more difficult than a walk. Here is historian Daniel Kain once again, this time speaking about the good points of a thought-provoking volume. A book where we can find the same experiences that are typical for wartime, it's just that they're being viewed from the other side. It practically offers several answers to several questions. It provides an extremely varied image of what, first and foremost, the experience of the war meant for the ordinary people who faithfully felt the pressure of those trying times. Here we have testimonies of experiences that mainly boil down to uncertainty, to the uncertainty of tomorrow, to fear. Just put yourselves in the shoes of those living in the border localities, where, all of a sudden, the next day they see another army marching into their locality. And what they see is a change, a withdrawal of the local administration, a replacement of the local administration, only to see that, in a couple of days or in a few weeks' time, the former state of things would again be back in place. The volume Over the Trenches is more than an invitation to reading. It is an urge to view a glorious year, such as 1918 was for the Romanians, from the other side, the side of those who lost. It is an urge for winners and losers alike to share the sufferance. Cultural event was an opportunity to boast about one of Romania's latest achievements as gold winner of a branding competition. From time to time we hear how the Romanians have a notable international achievement. This time it's about winning the gold medal at the biggest European branding competition in London entitled Transform Awards for the branding project of the city of Iași in northeastern Romania created by Namogo Design. The manager and founder of the branding agency tells us more about this project. The branding project of the city of Iași was initiated in 2021 at the initiative of the Destination Iași Association, which is an association of the city hall, the county council, operators in the hospitality industry and the Alexandru Ioan Cuza University in the city. Namogo was born more than 15 years ago in Iași, so we are an agency from this city. Our focus is on graphic design and on the application of the design principles and innovation in the field, and most of our projects are more towards minimalist approaches and the functional aspects of design, with the aim of creating a more pleasant world, easy to navigate virtually. We were glad to learn that the opinions of the jury, which were included in the winner's book, a catalogue of winners, particularly referred to what we said about us at the launch of the brand a year ago. 
they appreciated the courage to try to transform the identity of a city based solely on the memory of the past and its achievements to a city that focuses on creative industries. They liked our approach and the versatile visual identity that can accommodate different graphic and even spatial expressions. Alex Montano tells us more about the winning project. Orașul creatorilor este o punte pe care am reușit să o creăm între aceste realizări istorice. City of Creators is a bridge we managed to create between these historical achievements that we have been so proud of for so long and which at the moment are no longer enough to create a picture of the sustainable development of the city. In other words, the promise of value that Yash offers to tourists, locals, future students and investors can no longer be just about a city of classic culture. Yash has to offer much more than that, so the idea of a city of creators which we presented is a bridge between the creators of the past and the creators of the present, which will shape the future of the city. In other words, the proposal, which also works on a visual level and also as brand strategy for the development of future projects, is related to creative industries and we aim to become an important hub of creative industries in the Northeast and why not in Romania. In the short term, the brand needs to be implemented locally. And here are two areas that need to be developed, namely communication and marketing. Then, on the functional side, the brand doesn't have just the role of logo and image that we apply everywhere we can, but it is a platform that one we created, which allows for the development of different projects benefiting the community and the tourist infrastructure. In Visit Romania, we took you on a virtual trip to the beautiful city of Deva in western Romania, one of the oldest settlements in the country, mentioned in documents for the first time as early as 1269. With more than 750 years of history, the city of Deva, located in western Romania, is a major tourist destination. Tourists who have made it here are being attracted by the Deva Fortress which is presently lying on the volcanic hill nearby and was first documented around 1269. This history-laden site is offering a beautiful panorama of the surroundings, but there are also other worth-visiting objectives, such as the one we invite you to discover today, the local synagogue, which was erected around 1897 as an inscription on its stairs reads. The building, which was refurbished to its present shape in early 1900, has been declared a historical monument, and the last rabbi who served here, Alexandru Max, died in 2009 at the age of 80. The synagogue is housing the Torah manuscripts the aforementioned rabbi used in his religious services. The Jewish community was first documented in Deva around 1800, after the small entrepreneurs and traders had arrived in the area. Due to their entrepreneurial spirit, they became real society pillars. The founder of the first printing house, 
the first publication and the founder of the first mechanized mill in Deva were Jews. Here is Liviu Lakatushu, president of the Jewish community in Deva. Sinagoga a fost construită o familie, Lorinți se numeau, deci erau niște industriași care au donat The synagogue was built by the Lorenz family. They were manufacturers who donated a plot of land and built the synagogue here. After 1800, documents mentioned the presence of the Jewish population in the region of Hunedoara. Only several hundreds had come to the area at the beginning and they reached their largest number in the interwar years when 5,000 Jews were reported in the area. Their number started to diminish in late 50s after the exodus to the Holy Land had begun until the anti-communist revolution back in the 90s. This is a simple synagogue, but people want to make the most of the building by staging cultural events here. It doesn't resemble the other synagogues in Moldavia. It's a simple one, which lacks wall painting and other things. People here weren't that rich to afford various paintings. Its restoration was done in keeping with the initial model. We have two balconies, which aren't functional now because we didn't get the permit from the Inspectorate for Emergency Situations. We cannot also say that religious services are being held here anymore, only on some special holidays and on Oneg Shabbat. We are keeping in touch with all the schools and high schools in Deva. We've staged a couple of concerts and painting exhibitions here and we are interested in running a partnership with the City Hall and the Art High School to make the most of this building. An interesting and unique project has been recently developed by the Colony Association, an installation focusing on the relationship between chaos and synchronicity. We told you about this project titled Uncanny Order in our regular feature World of Culture. Uncanny Order, the latest research and production project run by the Colony Association, has a light motive, the strange order that is spontaneously installed and which we call synchronicity. The Colony Association, the Colony for Arts and Science, is a cultural association that works as a catalyst for a joint community of different professionals and disciplines, from contemporary artists, scientific researchers, specialists in various technologies, united by the passion for interdisciplinary practices and the creativity they generate. The projects run by the association are aimed at stressing the importance of collaborative practices for boosting creativity and personal development, and for the current welfare of society. The association's cultural PR, Anka Spiridon, told us more about this project. Our initiative starts from the chaos theory. Chaos is often described as being random, but it is, however, subject to some mathematical rules that derive from equations. And synchronicity is exactly the nature's organic tendency to organize itself, to put itself in order despite the apparent chaos that we perceive. And when we speak of this synchronicity in nature, 
we can think of the heart cells in our hearts, of the flocks of birds that fly synchronously in a direction known only to them, or social collective behaviors. And the idea of the uncanny order is to create a series of interactive installations that use as a source of inspiration functioning principles, these sets of data associated with the mathematical models of the chaos theory which create synchronicity. The interior design of the matter, the formation of the clouds and waves, but also visible representations such as computerized graphics, generative image or generative sound. The installation will be open for the public between the 16th and the 30th of June at the MV Sci Art Center in Timisoara, and in July it will be hosted by the Mobius Gallery in Bucharest. Who is participating in this project? Who are the artists and researchers involved in the implementation of Uncanny Order? Anga Spiridon has the details. Cei trei artiști participanți în Uncanny Order sunt Floria Macânda, Claudia Chiriță și Cătălin Crescu. The three artists participating in the Uncanny Order project are Floriana Cândea, Claudia Chiriță and Cătălin Crețu. Floriana Cândea is an artist interested in using and experimenting new media, even live biological tissues and cultures, as artistic support, but also alternative photographic techniques, altered macro photographs, visual classification schemes and, of course, scientific tools that can be converted into artistic practices, chemical processes, biocompatible materials and so on. Claudia Kiritsa is a lecturer and researcher in mathematical logic and artificial intelligence at the Mathematics and Informatics Faculty of Bucharest University. Also, for 15 years, she has been a graphic artist and illustrator, and the themes she likes to approach are security and confidentiality, digital surveillance and ad hoc collaboration, in order to examine the relation with the socialist heritage or to retell stories of regular lives in antiquity. Katalin Kretsu has a double specialization. He is an electromechanical engineer, but he is also a musician, covering a wide range of works belonging to different genres, from chamber and choral music to symphonic opuses, electronic music, installations, interactive multimedia works, and he is also a scientific researcher with the Electroacoustic Music and Multimedia Center. He is a professor at the National Music University in Bucharest and also the executive manager of the Inner Sound New Arts Festival. The project also entails research and IT work, so part of it, besides the artists I have mentioned before, are also the programmer Christian Balash and researchers Marian Zanfirescu and Ionuz Andrei Relu. They are with us because the chaos theory has multiple applications that the larger audience is not that familiarized with. But these applications are the foundation of technology, the technologies that we interact with on a regular basis. It's the interface between people and computers or the digital environment, and in this way is much easier for us to show the public how synchronicity can be demonstrated with the help of technology. Anka Spiridon also told us how the project started and what these interactive installations aim to do. It all started with the chaos theory, this science of non-linear dynamic systems, which we people normally understand as a deterministic theory, 
with a logic based on paradox and recursion. Chaos, as I was saying earlier, describes complex structures and principles from the natural world. And although it is described as being random, chaos does have and is subject to extraordinarily strict mathematical rules. So we interpret chaos as being very ordered, very organized. And with the installations that we make as part of this project, we want to show the larger audience not just this structure, but to give them the opportunity to interact with this structure. In brief, the uncanny order installations are aimed at exploring some mathematical models of the dynamic systems that these natural, biological and physical phenomena are based on. These artistic installations are interactive and they will guide the public towards a set of interactions with objects that recreate instances of synchronicity. And since it's Sunday, it's time to learn Romanian, without tears, of course. Let's look at cards, the basics. So let's start with our basic notions. Car, machina, wheel, ruata, tire, caoutchouc, windshield, parabris, boot, British, trunk, American, Portbagage, steering wheel, volan, backseat, banqueta, engine, motor, petrol, British, gas, American, tank, reservoir, rear view mirror, oglinda retrovisoare. Excellent. And now let's look at some basic sentences. We bought a new car. Am cumparat o mașină nouă. We have to change the wheel. Trebuie să schimbăm roata. We have to switch to winter tires. Trebuie să trecem la cauciucuri de iarnă. The windshield is cracked. Parbrizul e crăpat. Put the suitcase in the trunk or boot. Pune valiza în portbagaj. Hold the steering wheel firmly. Ține volanul ferm. Sit on the back seat. Stai pe banchetă. We can fix the engine. Putem să reparăm motorul. Adjust your rear-view mirror. Reglează-ți oglinda retrovizoare. Excellent. Goodbye. That's all from Sunday show. Thank you for listening. Focus on Romania. You are listening to Radio Romania International. Welcome everyone to a new edition of All That Jazz at the microphone, your host Vlad Palku. The great musicologist and journalist Alexandru Sipa, the chairman of the Musa Foundation, passed away on February 22, aged 77. He was one of Romania's most fervent advocates of jazz and blues music, 
Alexandru Sipa used to organize a large number of festivals, music launches and tours featuring major jazz musicians and bands. For starters, let's listen to Yarbird Suite, tribute to Charlie Parker, performing is the Radio Big Band, conducted by Yonel Tudor, accompanying Sorin Zlat Jr., an artist discovered and promoted by the great Alexandru Sipa.
In 2007, Alexandru Sipa set up the Musa Foundation, which he used to promote young, talented musicians, organize festivals across the country and abroad, and launch books. Every year, the foundation organized a much-anticipated Jazz and Blues Awards Gala, a highlight on the local jazz stage. It was actually Florian Lungu and Alexandru Sipa who came up with the idea together ever since the late 1990s, while they worked for the Romanian radio and TV public broadcasters. Since then, the gala has become a landmark of quality jazz music, rewarding the best performing musicians and bands in the field. We conclude our jazz segment today with Nuage, a reinterpretation of Django Reinhardt's famous song, performing our guitarists Alex Mann and Sorin Romanescu.
Living Romania. Coming up next on Radio Romania International. In the spotlight. Welcome everyone to a fresh edition in our series. I'm Vlad Palku. In the spotlight today we're talking about participatory democracy. And the question we ask is what can we expect when we give people a voice? To many politicians, even in present-day Europe, this is a problem as they see democratic dialogue and public debate as a threat, whereas in theory they are the pillars on which any democracy is built. For many centuries, participatory democracy went hand-in-hand with representative democracy, with people wanting to leave their print on public policies. Even in Romania, public dialogue over legislative initiatives that should involve a large part of society is often expedited, depriving citizens of the opportunity to directly participate or otherwise be involved in decisions that affect their lives. How then can citizens' contribution become pivotal to political processes around the world? Well, part of the answer are elections per se when citizens decide which politicians will eventually represent their interests in Parliament. However, the latest global challenges, including the energy crisis, global pandemics, restricted liberties, the advent of populist politicians in a number of European states and growing unemployment, have hit the youth the hardest. Evidence of that can be found in the very low voter turnout among young people in republics that are traditionally strong on the side of participatory democracy. Take, for instance, France, where militating for individual or collective rights or getting involved in policymaking is as commonplace as buying bread. The latest protests, which, by the way, involved a large number of young people protesting government changes to the French pension law, have all but proved that lawmakers should first and foremost consult civic society when passing new initiatives, and that participatory democracy has gained momentum everywhere in Europe, instilling a new way of making collective decisions. You are listening to Radio Romania International. Addressing these issues and others was the 14th Your Europe, Your Say event hosted by the European Economic and Social Committee over March 23rd-24th in Brussels. The forum brought together 105 students from 35 schools from all 27 EU member states and the seven candidate countries. Given the many societal and economic challenges, a shrinking civic space and threats to peace and fundamental rights, this year's conference focused on youth democracy dialogues and aimed to ensure that the voices of young people are heard when Europe's future is shaped. The students' recommendations will be submitted to the European institutions and high-level EU policymakers in June 2023. Sharing her insight about civic engagement and accountability and also speaking about the participants' recommendations for European institutions is the European Economic and Social Committee President Krista Schwenk in this exclusive interview for Radio Romania International. What is the importance of an event such as 
your Europe your say? Well, I think at this event we bring together every year young students from all over Europe in order to show them, first of all, European institutions, but second, also to give them the experience of a real democratic experience. So I think this is something that is really useful to them. What will the ESC do with the ideas issued from the debates, from the discussions? When you see what had happened in the last years, you see that there is a lot of youth engagement around, and that the European Union is more and more paying attention to the voices of young people. And I think GAYS is one of these examples where we gather young voices and young people. The idea the idea behind is that when they finally adopt their resolution, that this is sent to the European institutions and that it's published also on our website that we have for this event. And it will be also used as a source of inspiration, of course, when we draw up our own opinions. How feasible is to transform these ideas into public policies here in the European Union? The European Commission has established a European Youth Dialogue, a European Youth Platform, and we have also the Erasmus Plus program. So there is a lot of activities that is going on in that respect. Some European countries have already established youth councils. Other mechanisms are there to ensure that young people can participate. We, the European Economic and Social Committee, what we do is also that we have a youth delegate to the conference of the parties to the United Nations Agreement and the, the annual event that is taking place there when it comes to the question of environment. Which are the main initiatives and programs that the committee has with regard to young people? First of all, we are the firm believer that young people really need to be part of the solution because they need to live in the world that is created by the decision that are taken today. And therefore, we think it's extremely important to give them a voice. And as I said, we invite them. We have youth roundtables. Yeyes is now 14 years old, and I think it's still growing. It's still young, but it is growing, and it is an initiative that should definitely continue in that respect. The European Economic Social Committee is a kind of advisor for more European institutions. And I would like to ask you, what can do the committee to help the European institutions to diminish youth unemployment in Europe? We have, for instance, Erasmus+, Plus. we have Discover EU. These are, let's say, for the lucky people, but for the unemployed. Well, when you look at the development of unemployment and of youth unemployment, you see since around 20, 10 years, 10, 15 years, a sharp decline. Mm -hmm. So that means that youth unemployment is now as low as 11%, which is, of course, still an important figure, but it's quite low compared to what we saw during the crisis uh, in 2008, where we had in certain countries 50% of youth unemployment. So there is an immense improvement. Also at that time the European Union has acted quickly by the European Youth Guarantee promising that every person that is not in school or in work should receive either a job offer or a qualification offer within three months. And this program has been carried out by the member states. You know that employment policy is of course a joint initiative so it needs to be realized at the national level and what we see for the time being is unemployment is no longer such a big issue due to the fact that most people, and this generation especially, is extremely well educated. So this is one of the most educated populations that we ever had, I have to say. And the second thing is that uh, we have another problem now. We are running short of skilled labor. We have an issue with our demographic development and we have really problems. Enterprises are struggling to find people who could fill these places. So I think the question is no longer youth unemployment. The question is how to motivate them to get as ASAP their first job. We have millions of young refugees from Ukraine. I can remember you have visited my country, Romania, last year in autumn. You have met some refugees. How can the ESC and the other EU institutions 
help young refugees to learn to be less stressed if possible in these conditions? Well, I think what is important is that we clearly show, first of all, the clear path towards the European Union. And I'm particularly grateful that our committee was the first one asking for the accession of Ukraine to the European Union. That's the first thing. The second thing is young Ukrainian students that are here shall be integrated into classes, into work ASAP. And what we saw also is that this is done in the member states. There is a lot of activities going on, so they are really welcomed. I can imagine that if you come from a country in which you have war, you are super stressed and you need certain support. And I can only ask member states and plea member states that they really do what is necessary in order to help these young people. Krista Schwenk, president of the European Economic and Social Committee and her appeal to EU member states to favor transparency and openness in legislative choices that should acknowledge the relevance of public opinion. It remains indeed a major challenge for many democratic institutions and their representatives. That brings us to the end of today's segment. I'm Vlad Palku. I'll see you next time. On Romania. Coming up next on Radio Romania International. Simply Folk. To end this broadcast, let's listen to Gica Petrescu with a song called Take Me Home, Little Streetcar. Noaptea se lasă în mahala, Pe strada noastră e pustiu. La o portiță stă cineva Și mă așteaptă ca să fiu. Păi du-mi acasă, măi, tramvai, Du-mi acasă, ce mai stai? Du-mă la căsuța mea, cu portiță și cișmea.
Păi du-mi acasă, măi, tramvai, du-mi acasă, ce mai stai? Du-mi la căsuța mea, cu portiță și cișmea, noaptea se lasă în mahala, pe strada noastră e pustiu, la o portiță stă cineva, și mă așteaptă ca să viu Păi du-mi acasă, măi, tramvai Du-mi acasă, ce mai stai Du-mă la căsuța mea Cu portiță și cișmea Lai, 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 lai Lai, 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 lai And with that, our broadcast in English for listeners in Western Europe and Africa has come to an end. You can listen to our next program for Western Europe at 17 UTC on 13,750 kHz in the DRM system and on 15,180 kHz in analog system. Listeners in Africa can receive our programs, tomorrow, at 11 UTC on 15,320 and 17,670 kHz. We can also be heard on the internet, at www.rri.ro, channel 1. If you have any comments or suggestions, please write an email at engl at rri.ro. Goodbye.